The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. So it's been nothing short of a remarkable season for Liverpool. One that will live long in the memory. 63 games, two trophies, nearly two more. We'll look at that and what happens now for Klopp's squad, including big decisions for key players like Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Plus, of course, the latest on the Champions League final chaos. I'm Steve Hoversall, joining me on the Red Agenda, Ollie Kay and the Chief Sports Writer for the Belfast Telegraph, Stephen Beacon. Welcome, gents. What a remarkable ride, Ollie, we've had this season with Liverpool Football Club. How will it sit in your memory, do you think? Well, if I can start on a, on a slightly sort of downward note, I guess it will be remembered of as so near yet so far in terms of the, the two main competitions, the Premier League and the Champions League. Which is really harsh because because of how Liverpool played throughout the season, obviously winning the League Cup, obviously winning the FA Cup. But I think the the thrills of, of of that title race, pushing a brilliant Manchester City team right to the end, being what felt like one goal away going into that final sort of half hour in um, at Anfield against Wolves, and the atmosphere then the resounding victories over Manchester United and Everton and Arsenal, you know scoring so many goals in those games but ultimately I think I think it ends up with a sense of regret that the amazing celebrations we saw last Sunday in in, in the city centre with a victory parade that there weren't that wasn't at least one more trophy on, on the bus because I think to be as good as Liverpool were in the Premier League and the Champions League and not win either is quite agonising really so a brilliant season that could have been even better. It was a remarkable thing that they were chasing, wasn't it, Stephen, to try and get a, a quadruple, to fall slightly short and end up with, with two trophies. You know, shouldn't in any way, there shouldn't be a cloud over that. But it, but as Ollie says, there's, there's just this tinge of regret, isn't there? There is, because Liverpool were, were so close to, to winning all four. I look back at this season, though, with immense pride as a Liverpool fan because of the football that Liverpool played and also because of the way they went about it. You know, chasing a quadruple is just a remarkable achievement in itself. To go right to the wire in the, the, the big two competitions after winning the League Cup and the FA Cup was absolutely remarkable. And some of the football that Liverpool played was just off the charts. It really was. There were periods when I was watching this Liverpool team thinking, this might just be the best team I've ever watched in a red shirt. And I've been lucky to see the, the great teams from the 80s, um, uh, obviously reflecting on the wonderful teams from the 70s. But what Jurgen Klopp has done, he's not only produced uh, an incredible team full of character, but they've just got class oozing out of them from every pore and in every part of the football pitch. And at one stage, like... Salah was viewed as the best player on the planet. He had just taken over football for about a two-month period, and that was joyous to watch. The League Cup final and the FA Cup final um, uh, were wonderful occasions. It's just a pity Liverpool couldn't see it over the line in the Premier League. Obviously, Manchester City, we have to give them credit because they're an immense winning machine domestically. And um, in the European Cup final, well, 
I always had a feeling whoever scored first was going to win that game. And Real Madrid's record in that competition, they've now won eight finals out of eight, the last eight they've been in, which is crazy, really. Um, I think if Liverpool had scored first, Liverpool would have won that game three or four nil, but it was Real Madrid's night. But overall, yes, uh, a season tinged with disappointment, but one that we will remember for a long, long time. And I always put it back to this. Think of Roy Hodgson. Think of um, the last days under Rafa and Jared Hulier and um, think how far we've come. And that's all down to Jurgen Klopp and this amazing group of players. Yeah, we're in very special times, aren't we? Ollie, you, you listed a couple, some of the games that obviously stood out. If you had to pick one, and of course, you know, we did have that amazing win at Old Trafford, the 5-0 victory over Everton. Maybe the first half at Wembley in the, in the semi-final with Man City. What, what, what is the game that stands out to you? Um, it's probably hard to say when it's when it's eight months ago now, but uh, and it's sort of in distant memory. But I think that I think that victory at Old Trafford. I mean, to win five nil at Manchester United was incredible. I know a lot of teams were putting four and five past Manchester United at that at that particular time, but it's it's the kind of result that you just and, and performance really. They they were so ridiculously good for that first hour, and then almost sort of eased off a bit when it was eleven against ten with. Pogba sent off so I think that I think stands out as a performance as a special performance and I think at that point people were saying well even if this isn't a title winning season this will go down as a great game in Liverpool's history and then you on the flip side you got the the 4-0 over United six months later at Anfield which by that stage it did feel like a title challenge it felt like there was real momentum building and that final few months I think it was after that 2-2 draw at um, Chelsea on January the 2nd, it was played 18 in the Premier League, won 16, drew 2. And it just felt like the momentum was building, building, building every week or every game. That's with all the success in the cup competitions thrown in as well. So I, I felt like it was the performance level was extraordinary. And to miss out on the Premier League, the Champions League so narrowly, well, it probably just makes you grateful that they, they took the the domestic cup competitions are seriously as they did this season because to have ended up with disappointment in those competitions as well would have been so harsh on a team that performed so brilliantly from start to finish. You're right, Ollie, because actually it's, it's a season where it's reignited the affair with those domestic cups. Yeah, and it's, I mean, my brother's a Liverpool fan, I was speaking to him at the start of the season and he, he, was, he was feeling a little bit gloomy about the, ch- the chances of challenging for the Premier League, um, as I think it, probably a lot of people felt because there'd only been Canate coming in over, over the summer and yes there were players coming back but I remember him saying then you know it'd be nice to if they don't challenge for the league it would be it'd be, it'd be nice to win one of the cups and and that's something that you look at what Chelsea and Man City have done over the last decade and more and they've won a lot of FA Cups and a lot of League Cups and that's that's something Liverpool haven't been doing they've not really had the the squad strength at times to to go on all all fronts and some things the cup competitions have been a bit of an afterthought but I think this season, having got through the earlier rounds, which you know you need a slightly gentle draw sometimes, but having got through those early rounds, Liverpool, you know, Klopp just decided we'll go for it, and you saw Liverpool and Man City in that semi-final, and Klopp was going for it, and Guardiola was holding people back, understandably, I think, because they'd had that bruising game in Madrid a few days earlier. But you know, Liverpool were the ones going for it, pushing that momentum, and yeah, you just think, well, given how narrow the margins were in terms of missing out on the Premier League and the Champions League, given how narrow the margins were in terms of winning the 
the other two cups in the end um, on penalties. Yeah, it felt like those two competitions gave Liverpool's season something of the sort of polish it deserved. But I still don't think it reflects the quality that they showed. And I, I would say, look, I would say the same of, of Manchester City. That they've been a brilliant team this season, and had they ended up with with nothing, had they not turned it around in that final twenty minutes, I think that would have been ridiculous as well, because they've been so good. I think they've been the best two teams. In, in the world this season. I think they've been the best two teams in the world across the last four years, give or take the odd dip. And I think it's it's harsh that neither of them won the Champions League, really. Yeah, the, the rivalry continues at such a high level. We had two incredible finals, Stephen, full of energy and, and drama, of course. Two finals that saw uh, Luis Diaz get Man of the Match awards in. Who has been your standout player for the season? Well, he has to be one of them. What an introduction he's had to his Liverpool career, coming in mid-season and just blowing everyone away with his performances. And the two displays at Wembley were brilliant to watch. Um, I have to say, if I was picking a favourite out of the, the two Wembley experiences, it would be the League Cup. I'm probably a bit um, strange in that I prefer to win the League Cup than the FA Cup because you get a trophy on the sideboard early on and I think it does um, great for your confidence, great for your self-belief and um, that penalty shootout in the League Cup final was absolutely ridiculous and then for an Irishman, Kelleher to step up the way he did, just loved every second of it to be honest. Um, In terms of other players, well Mo Salah as I spoke about before Steve was on a different level at different times during the course of the season. Obviously what he did at Manchester United away was um, breathtaking. I remember the goal against Manchester City. I thought his best goal of the season was one against Watford when um, basically every Watford player was on the deck whenever he put the ball in the net. Beating Everton was a a very, very important um, game, I thought, at Anfield with the way Everton played. And I have to say the atmosphere at Anfield that day was absolutely magical it really was when Andy Robertson scored that that goal you know the noise inside the stadium um was epic in many respects it almost felt like a European night that one I want to talk though about Liverpool Norwich because I think I that I wasn't at this game but it's my favorite game of the season in many respects Liverpool were on a bit of a roll then it was in the Premier League and Norwich were supposed to be lambs to the slaughter Norwich went ahead in the game and I happened to be listening to the match on the radio. It was a three o'clock on a Saturday kickoff, which is rare now for Liverpool. I wasn't streaming at Renton. So I was going back to my youth listening to matches on the radio. And the noise from Anfield as the comeback started was a joy to behold. And it took me back to my youth. And in many ways, that's what football's all about. You have this joy about football when you're a kid. And Liverpool Football Club, over the past few years, have almost brought that joy back into our hearts with the way they play. And then Manny scored against Norwich. Then Salah scored. And Diaz came up with the final goal to win 3-1. And at that stage, I really felt this is going to be a special season. Um, It didn't turn out the way we would have hoped but it was still um, remarkable. I think we should say a word about Joel Matip, who was um, brilliant this season. Kanate has come in and looks a monster player. Thiago, I think, found his feet in the Liverpool shirt. And also, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson, their levels continue to amaze. If I was naming a player of the season, though, you know what? Despite all the attacking talent, I might go Alisson. 
I think Alisson's the best goalkeeper in the world. Possibly up there with Ray Clements and Alicia Scott as the two greatest goalkeepers Liverpool have ever had. Do you notice, Ollie, he named every player in the team then? I don't think you mentioned Virgil van Dijk or Sadio Mane, who were, who were two of the, who were two of the um, contenders for the PFA Player of the Year award. And I think I had them in my team of the season. They, you know, they, they are... I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned... Joel Matip, because people looked at me a bit strange a few weeks ago when I said he'd be in my team of the season. He's been brilliant, and I thought he was really unlucky to miss out on the on on the starting lineup in Paris. But it's been a season where, and I would say the same for Manchester City. There have been eight or nine really, really, really outstanding players in in this title-winning team. So when people say that the you know the team of the season will all, all be made up of Liverpool and Man City players, it's not surprising. Because I think the second eleven would be all made of, up of Liverpool and Man City players as well, and like Thiago, Thiago was—he's um, a player I absolutely love to watch. But his form in the second half of the season was absolutely magnificent as well. So it's yeah, there is no shortage of um, standout performers, and I think if if Diaz had arrived a few months earlier, I think we'd we'd have him, him in the re- reckoning for those awards as well. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, we mentioned Mo at the start. Ollie, pick up on this. James uh, James Pierce written a piece on Salah's future. We've talked about it lots on the pod before, but he's written an interesting line in here. He's, contract talk still at a standstill. James has reported that if a deal can't be reached, then Salah's preference would be to stay in the Premier League. It's pretty hard to imagine him joining another big club in the Premier League, isn't it, Ollie? It is, but it happens. I mean, it was it would have been pretty hard back in two thousand and nine, at the end of that season, to imagine Fernando Torres being at um, at Chelsea within eighteen months. We know that Steven Gerrard, you know, Steven Gerrard was very close to joining Chelsea on one occasion uh, or two occasions. Um, it happens. Players are single minded about their futures. I've heard people say about how Salah, of course, he couldn't risk his legacy, but Sometimes legacy is is about you know how, how much a player will earn from their career. Sometimes it's about you know wanting to do something at one club rather than two clubs. I would be surprised if Salah ends up at say Manchester City, but it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up as a a serious option for him because if he can't get the the contract he, he wants from Liverpool, then there are maybe three clubs in the world that that might offer him that contract, and one of them might be down the M62, or two of them might be in the M62, down the M62. It's still hard to imagine, as you said, but I do feel that maybe it's the kind of thing that might come out of the Salah camp as maybe a negotiating tactic, you know, crank up the pressure on Liverpool, particularly when they're feeling the heat over the Mane situation. But I sometimes think we can overestimate just how single-minded players can be about, about their career. I think a lot of people's illusions were, were shattered when when Fernando Torres went to um, to Chelsea or when 
Gerard tried to get to Chelsea or Suarez tried to get to Arsenal different times but because Liverpool are, are so so good now but yeah I think it's a, an uncomfortable situation for Liverpool certainly Well in the article which you can read now on The Athletic Stephen James also writes that he'd be quite happy Salah to sign a two year deal not a four year deal so for those who just presume he's there chasing the money over a long term period that doesn't seem to be a, the case no, and it was a fascinating article by James. It really was. I actually read it twice <laughs> just to get all the detail in it. Um, listen, every Liverpool fan wants Mo Salah to stay. Ultimately, we're at an impasse here where Salah and his people want something and Liverpool and their people don't want to give him that at this stage. And um, hopefully a compromise can be reached. They can um, get the deal sorted, whether it's two years or four years or whatever, because um, you don't want Mo Salah leaving the football club. Sadio Mane is about to leave Liverpool and to lose both in the space of a year would be very, very bad indeed. I believe, even though the most important signing this season has been Jurgen Klopp deciding to stay on for a few more years at Anfield. But in terms of Salah, the thought of him playing for another Premier League club um, would not go down well with Liverpool fans whatsoever. I would say to, to Mo, if he does listen to the Athletic podcast... I believe he does. Well, there you go. Take a, take a look at um, some of the, the players who've left Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp's time. Wijnaldum, he hasn't exactly um, had a great time over in France, has he? Another one's Coutinho. He's now playing for a mid-table team in the Premier League. So, Mo, you've got um, a legacy at Liverpool Football Club. You were loved, you were adored. Sometimes I think that can be more important than um, money. And by all means, you deserve a lot of money because what you've given Liverpool is absolutely immense. But I genuinely hope that some agreement can be reached between the football club and Mo and his representatives because um, I'd like to see him in a Liverpool shirt for um, quite some time to come. Let's go to his mate up front who is leaving. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Sadio Mane. Second half of this season, I think he's been incredible. 14 goals in, in 2022. He's, he's been the, the, the catalyst up front in, in, in a different role as well. I think this is a massive loss. And Stephen just mentioned Gino Wijnaldum, Oli, and... You know, remember he was a player that never missed a game, and Sadio Mane's pretty much the same, isn't he? Never injured, always available, always at a certain standard. This is a big loss for Liverpool. I totally agree. I think if it was the idea of losing one of Salah or Mane by next summer, whether it was whether it was sold this summer or on a free transfer the the next summer, I think that's possible to sort of get your head around and, and say, well, you know, from a business point of view, from a rejuvenation of the squad point of view, that that sort of makes sense. But it's it's the idea of losing Mane and Salah. And Mane, I think, has been a bit undervalued in terms... I'm not talking about wages. I'm just I'm talking about... It just felt throughout the course of the season that, that a lot of eggs were being put in the Salah basket and trying to reach an agreement with him. And it felt like Mane was a bit more on the back burner because I think they felt... You know, more hopeful about him, and it it would be an enormous loss. He's been he's been brilliant in the second half of the season. He did have a dip in the first half of the season, without question. I, I mean, there's, there was times when his finishing, you you were watching him think, God, you know what what's happened to his finishing? But he was so good in the second half of the season, particularly once Diaz arrived, and you thought, well, maybe he's the odd man out, and he ended up 
sort of playing through the middle, displacing Jota through the middle, who was playing so brilliantly. And he was he was just so good. He, you know, in the Champions League final, I thought he was possibly Liverpool's best player, the one who really looked like making something happen. In that final game against um, Wolves in the Premier League, he was the one who I think really looked like making something happening. He's he's I can understand from a human point of view why there would be a feeling of that if he wants to go, let's let him go. He's he's been brilliant for us six years. Let let's sort of get some money before, rather than let it go down to his the final year of his contract. But it will be very very hard to replace what he brings to this Liverpool team, and I don't think. Whatever fear it will be, because it will be lower because he's in the final year of his contract, whatever fear it will be, I don't think that will reflect his value to this team and this club. He's been brilliant and um, I don't think there'll be any acrimony or any antagonism towards him because everybody will just sort of applaud him out of the building and, and that's fans too. But it would be something that would leave me a little bit concerned about how they intend to replace him. Yeah, definitely an Anfield um, legend. So if we talk about additions this summer, we see, Stephen, that Man City have added Erling Haaland and uh, and they've publicly said that there's a couple more players are going to be on the horizon. If you look at Liverpool and, and think, well, Divock Origi's left, Mane's probably uh, on his way. There's a couple of other question marks. We perhaps don't know what's happening with, with James Milner at the moment. What is the area for you that needs strengthening. Do, do Liverpool presume that now they've brought in Diaz in January that they've done their business up front and they're looking at a different area of the pitch or do you still think there needs an, an addition up front? Yes, I agree with Ollie. Manny is going to be incredibly difficult to replace. He gives you so much whether he's playing out wide or whether he's playing through the centre. He's an amazing talent, scores big goals at big times and is reliable. His durability is without question. I remember in Euro 2016 coming home on the Northern Ireland flight asking the then Southampton captain Stephen Davis about him when he was about to sign for Liverpool and Davis said that he would be a monumental success at Liverpool because not only had he ability, he had good character and he cared. And um, whenever you've got those characteristics, you've got a chance of being a success. And Manny has definitely been that at Liverpool since he signed. If you look at the forward areas, obviously you've got the Salah situation going on at the moment as well. But Origi's leaving, Manny's leaving. Minamino, is he going to leave? Is he going to be content with just coming off the bench or playing in League Cup and FA Cup games? Firmino is probably going to be leaving next summer as well. So definitely up front is an area where Liverpool need to strengthen. I would also say that midfield is somewhere that Jurgen Klopp will be looking at. I know obviously that Liverpool have brought in the, the youngster Fabio Carvalho from Fulham and he can play um, in midfield or forward areas. But I think that um, in the middle of the park, Liverpool could definitely look at bringing in a high-class player there. You know, there's Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho. That's like your first choice three. And then you've got the likes of Keita, Milner, who will probably stay, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Jude Bellingham, obviously, um, coming into Liverpool. So um, definitely up front and in midfield 
are the places that I would look at for Liverpool to bring in someone over the summer. You have to remember, Manchester City have already strengthened big. They've gone for Haaland, and he could be an absolute revelation in the Premier League. It's going to be fascinating to see how he fits into the system. I've seen him play live on a few occasions, and he is so direct. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Pep Guardiola does in terms of making him into a Pep Guardiola player. But um, he is sensational. And Liverpool have to compete with that next season. And to do that, they're going to have to strengthen the side. And um, definitely up front and midfield are the areas I would be looking at. Let's move on to the Champions League final mess. Ollie, you, you were out there in, in Paris. Finally, a little bit of common sense from French politicians. The, uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, has called for full transparency. We, we've heard and, and read some terrible stuff in the, in the days since this final. Macron says the events at the Stade de France were shameful and unworthy of France. I think we'd, we'd all agree with that. But some of the claims that have been coming out about uh, the numbers of false tickets and the behaviour of Liverpool fans has been sickening. It has been sickening. Um, it's been disgraceful. Even with all of the video footage that, that there is from Saturday night, I mean, there's so much video footage around everyone. It was a brilliant piece that um, one of the Spanish um, TV stations did the other night, which was, which was a lot of footage I hadn't seen before in the first couple of days. There was one bit in which I saw one or two Liverpool fans trying to climb over the fence, which you could say was to escape a crush because there was a crush. There was one or two fans going in, following people who burst through gates and the people bursting through the gates appeared to be locals. And that would certainly tally with my um, experience on, on the evening that, that, that the locals were the ones causing the trouble. And Liverpool fans were, you know, a couple of Liverpool fans were following the splits in, in their in their slipstream. I didn't see anything in that TV footage or on the night to merit anybody being sprayed with tear gas. I thought that was absolutely appalling. I didn't see anything to merit anybody being accused of the sort of violence and awful behaviour that, that the sports minister was, was talking about. The awful behaviour that I witnessed was by locals. And it was, it was only a couple of skirmishes before the game, but that was locals. A lot of the TV footage uh, will show that it was locals trying to sneak in, trying to break in. That certainly tallies with a lot of what's been claimed about what happened pre-match and particularly post-match, which I think nobody seems to really to even have acknowledged in France about the, the trouble post-match. And the depth of the deceit from the interior minister and the sports minister is such that nobody's even taking it seriously because the, the numbers they're coming out with, the claims that they're coming out with, are so ludicrous, are so inflated. They talk about thirty to 40,000 ticketless fans. They talk about 70% of the tickets that went into the stadium area being fake. I'm sorry, none of that is true. And never mind rings true. None of that is true. It's lies. They're coming out with lies like that. They're also saying things like the fan park opened at 12 or whatever. In fact, it opened at 1.30 or 2 o'clock. It was, it was delayed. Everything they're saying just seems to be completely untrue. And when it's so far from the truth, I think it's so much easier for people to see through it. And it's so much easier for the French people and the French politicians and the French media to see through it, which they have. And it's becoming a really, um, becoming a big drama at home for, for those politicians in France, not because of 
the scenes on the on the night, but because of the web of lies that's been constructed since, which is creating diplomatic tensions. I think it's it's you know there are politicians in in the UK who are standing up against this, and the media is, and the media in France is, and the president is sort of condemning the scenes while while the interior minister and the sports minister are just coming out with this nonsense. So at least unlike Hillsborough, the truth is coming out very, very quickly and the liars are being exposed as liars. But none of that excuses what we saw on, on Saturday night, which was terrible policing, terrible crowd management and turning a blind eye to, to the real problems that there were. I'm glad you've used that word lies. I think everyone would agree with that. Um Great stance from Liverpool. I think they've been terrific over this. Stephen, the chairman, Tom uh, Tom Werner, wrote a scathing letter about some of the stuff that's been said. Um, and Liverpool themselves, of course, asking fans to uh, to enter their version of events and letters in with, with their stories of how they were treated so they can compile all the evidence. So well done to Liverpool for the way that they've treated this. 100%. I think Liverpool Football Club have been immense throughout this process. We live in a world where politicians, some politicians, let you down. And um, there's no doubt in my mind that um, I believe the Liverpool fans and the journalists and the independent voices that have been coming out, as opposed to what the French Interior Minister and the French Sports Minister have been saying, frankly, their comments have been an absolute outrage and a disgrace. And I'm delighted that Liverpool are standing behind the supporters because that's what they need to do at this time. Let's not forget, fans were targeted with tear gas and pepper spray at this football match before they went into the game. You had young kids going to their first major European final. They were flying over on planes to Paris, dreaming of seeing their team in the biggest club match you can witness. And they came home crying um, on the plane after going through all that turmoil and um, that horrendous behaviour. I've been to Champions League finals before and Liverpool fans listen to this pod. I'm sure some of them were at Athens in 2007. It was a shambles as well. Absolute disgrace how that was organised. And I think um, the 2022 Champions League final was even worse um, uh, with all the evidence that has been coming through over the past few days. I hope UEFA learned from this. I hope the French government learned from this. And I hope football as a whole learns from this and that um, fans should be treated with a lot more respect and dignity. And um, because I'll tell you this, as far as I can see, the Liverpool fans showed that in abundance under incredibly tough circumstances over in France at the weekend. And I hope those kids who went to the final on Saturday night go back to Liverpool games in the future with their mums and their dads and get the joy that football should bring. And um, maybe they can go to Istanbul next year if Liverpool reach the final and we have a Champions League final that's properly organised and um, where the fans are treated with the respect and dignity they deserve. Can I just uh, jump in? I, I was just going to mention where Stephen mentioned Athens. I think there's a, there's a real contrast because Athens was a complete mess in terms of organisation. It was chaotic. I was there. I think you were there as well, Steve. It was it was chaos and it was compounded, I think it's fair to say, by some Liverpool fans acting badly. You know, some Liverpool fans 
there were a lot of Liverpool fans trying to get in without tickets at that game. And that was that came out at the time and it was, you know, it was it was condemned and it was rightly condemned, as was the lack of organisation. On Saturday in Paris, I thought the Liverpool fans that I was sort of held up in a queue with for a, about an hour outside the stadium, not moving anywhere, people getting concerned that they were going to miss kickoff. I was getting concerned I was going to miss kickoff, having got there two and a half hours early. I thought the fans were incredibly patient. Everything that people have told me about the scenes that were that, that took place afterwards has told me that Liverpool fans, again, and this is, this is neutral journalists, journalists from other countries, they're all saying that, you know, the police are very lucky. Liverpool's fans were as calm and as patient and as tolerant and as well-behaved as they were because that, there could have been a riot on Saturday. People have paid hundreds and hundreds of pounds for tickets, hundreds and hundreds of pounds for travel, all of it totally extortionate and weren't being allowed in. It could have kicked off in a really big way. And the fact that it didn't, and the fact that all we're talking about is the terrible treatment of those fans by the police is a remarkable tribute, I think, to, to, to those Liverpool fans. I've been at games where fans haven't behaved well. The Euro 2020 final last, last summer, there was a toxic atmosphere outside Wembley that day. There were thousands of people deliberately rushing the gates to get, to get in without tickets. And that just wasn't the case in Paris. It was... The same lack of organisation, but with good fan behaviour and with awful, aggressive, brutal policing, which is compounded by the French authorities acknowledging none of those failings and highlighting failings from Liverpool fans, which didn't exist. Plenty of articles on The Athletic right now looking at that chaos in Paris, as well as Ollie's report from the night. Um, talking through Courtois saves and, and the rest of the match. Also, want to give a shout out to a piece Ollie's written on Liverpool's elite underdogs and the clubs who finally gave them a shot. Really well worth uh, reading that one as well. If you scroll down on the uh, the Liverpool articles there. Thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. If you're not a subscriber already to the Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool. Everything on the site at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool Pod. Special price now: pound a month for six months. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Thank you to Wally. Thank you to Stephen for their company. Hope you've enjoyed the red agenda throughout the course of the season. We'll see you very soon.